Welcome to Briefings in Brief, an audio digest of IT news and information from the packet pushers, including briefings, research and some commentary. I'm Greg Farrow. Today, it's the 1st of October 2019. And here's what I'm thinking about. The emergence of Amazon Sidewalk and Apple U1 Wideband are examples of low-powered WAN technology as part of a wider movement to produce long-reach, low-bandwidth, low-power networks that changes the way things work. Now, so Amazon Sidewalk is an interesting example of an LP WAN over the internet. Let me explain that a little bit. So what's happening is at 900 megahertz, you've got a low power, low data rate, long distance frequency spectrum that's unlicensed that anybody can use. There's a couple more down at 400 megahertz. Obviously, another example is 2.4 gigahertz, widely used for Wi-Fi, although very congested these days and so forth. But the ones at higher frequencies don't quite get the same distance. They don't penetrate through walls of houses. They don't get very far. And there's a desire to be able to start tracking devices, little tags and things like that. So in the 900 megahertz, there's an unused, unlicensed spectrum that anybody can consume, and it's been widely proposed to be used for low-powered WAN. And Amazon is producing one, but the interesting part is that they're actually using their ring devices and their echoes as base stations for the 900 megahertz. So think about that. Every device that Amazon ships going forward will start to get these antennas, and as they're plugged in, they're also connected to the network to the internet and they're connecting back to the to Amazon uploading data about getting responses back. This is quite interesting because the 900 megahertz spectrum can get up to a two kilometer range. If you could put it up like a proper antenna, you don't need too many of them to cover an entire town. But if you put them on a front door, maybe you're getting uh, running on low power, maybe with a battery or uh, you know low current type device at, at five volts DC, you're probably going to get 500, maybe even 250. But if you've got one every fourth or fifth house, you can get an enormous amount of coverage and start to set up a, a global network, not just one that's in a given region, not just one that's controlled by government, but a global network that's unregulated and uncontrolled, which is kind of interesting, and there's a lot of ideas here. Now, the thing, one of the key things about the internet when you think about it is really interesting because it changes the way that telcos and their businesses work in that the fundamental basis of telcos and their private WAN businesses is that customers have to go through them. They are the gatekeepers to the private WAN. So you need a telco's permission to connect to their networks. And that permission also involves a substantial sum of CapEx to connect the network and get the electronic equipment that connects to the cable and also OPEX to maintain the license or to maintain that permission. You also get bandwidth with that as well. Now, the internet replaces the private WAN with a public WAN that anyone can use anywhere, anytime with very few restrictions. You still pay OPEX for that internet access. But the capex is spread over a much wider range of services, and for most companies, it's nearly zero for each next service, new service. So, for example, you might have installed a one gig internet pipe in head office on the assumption that getting access to email and letting users surf some YouTube and doing banking during the day is a good idea. But if now you suddenly add a new service onto top of the internet, it's not a whole new cost. You don't have to go and get permission from the telco. You don't have to buy new routers or infrastructure to do that. You just add it on. Maybe you scale up the pipe size a little bit. And that permissionless is what allows the internet to be flexible and adaptable. And the the tragedy of the internet is that it's open to abuse by and large, but it also means that we can get do anything that we want. Now, the telcos are struggling here because they should be doing the LP WAN, I would think, but they haven't really gotten out of their own way to get this done. So this means that companies like Amazon with this sidewalk product can start to put little train transmitters out there and start to track. Now, think about what Amazon's getting here. They're getting a device that can go into all the homes that they sell products to. doesn't have to be everyone. only has to be one in three, one in 10 to cover quite substantial, quite a substantial part of the US, even the global markets. 
and uh, they can put little tags onto their parcels as they're delivering them, and they can actually see them moving down streets, track each individual parcel as it moves down the street and comes into range. They can see if the parcel came into a house, give or take, and certainly track it as it moves around. That's interesting uh, Interesting value add to customers. It's also kind of spooky from a surveillance, from a corporate surveillance point of view. Amazon's been pretty willing to make the most of that sort of data that it gets, even to the point of selling it off to, to governments and so forth. So that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Apple U1 Wideband is a little bit different. What they're doing is adding an ultra-wideband chip to their phones and to a range of their products going forward would be the speculation. It hasn't happened yet, but the speculation would be over time you would see this change. And they're using this not only to do this tracking type of idea, that is if you have an ultra-wideband signal in the 6 gigahertz range, you can send out micro-pulses and get some really interesting feedback but it's not only does it tell you that there's a tag device somewhere in the area, it also tells you that where the device is relative to the to the phone. So if you're using the phone and you say, find my AirPods, it'll tell you that the AirPods are five meters away, south-southwest direction, which would be very useful in terms of tracking something down. It would also be useful for parents who want to ensure that their children are safe and that they are where they say they are. You could start to turn on that feature as a family feature. The premise here is that there's sufficient density of the phones as agents, as probes in the world to be able to track where those things are. And so it really doesn't matter where you go and where you are, short of actually putting your box inside of a radio-sealed envelope to prevent it from being probed, um, you're actually going to be able to track those devices. Think about stolen phones. If a phone is stolen and if it reappears and gets into the uh, into range, because Apple's very strong on getting these in, encrypted enclaves into their silicon, if a device that's been reported stolen suddenly appears, they'd be able to disable that remotely in theory because when it came back on the network, they'd be able to reach out and touch that device and block it. Now, that's not something that they've t- historically done, but there's been various moves by various organizations to actually do that. So what do I think here? I think the telcos have missed a trick. They've been far too slow to adapt to a fast-moving world. Really, they've talked about doing NBIoT and LoRa, low-powered WAN technologies, which they would sell out to big companies. But if they don't move faster... Amazon Sidewalk and Apple U1 type technologies could just supplant that whole market and make it unviable for them. And keep in mind that if you want to connect to a telco's NBIoT network, you have to go and get permission, right? If you want a low-powered WAN from Verizon, but you want to set up, uh, sell your products into the UK, you would have to then come to the UK and negotiate another contract. It's a lot easier just to go to Amazon, use their cloud service and go track this thing around the world and pay for it as a, you know, per query, per report, per whatever, than it is to try and negotiate with BT or a range of telcos all around the world for a low-powered WAN. Low-powered WANs are definitely going to be in our future somewhere. What is surprising is it's probably not going to be our telcos, and potentially even if it is our telcos, it won't only be our telcos. There's a range of other ways. People using the internet as a backhaul, as an SD-WAN type thing, that's what that is. I hope you got something out of that. My name's Greg Farrow. Thanks for listening to this Briefings and Brief. And if you want more information like this, head on over to packetpushers.net where we have many more fine, free and technical podcasts for you to enjoy. Thanks for listening. Thanks.